You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. going on y'all we are back it is another episode of no bets barred this time for ufc san diego it is marlon cheeto vera going up against dominic cruz in the main event jed how we doing dude 10 out of 10 finishes on this last card uh i mean i slandered it seven ways to sunday on the show last week but uh it ended up delivering it's not slander the card was bad and i you're never going to change my mind on that. Um, someone hit me up on Twitter and the, and like I I admitted to dogging it and someone was like, "Why would you dog this card? Like uh t- the main and co-main were fire on paper. Uh yeah. you know, you, you got the tough finales, the storyline of Usman's that's brother, would, like That's why I would dog the card. T- Terrence T-Rex McKinney is is always, you know, an ex- an incredibly exciting fighter. And I almost responded, and I was like, nah, I, I just don't really care enough. But it's just like, dude, it's a 10-fight card in the Apex in between two fight so, nights and two pay-per-views. So that's a big thing, though. Like, one, I dog this card. I'll still dog this card and just speak. I'm just speaking the truth, and that's all it is, and I'm not ashamed about it. Because here's the deal. Like, one— the card got way better by only being 10 fights, and I don't think people are recognizing that enough. 10 fights is like a really digestible number. You get up to 12. It's just a lot of fights, especially because the other part of the card having all these great finishes is the people are just glossing over, even though in the moment everyone was talking about it, the pacing was abhorrent because they were getting yeah. all these first round finishes. So it was <laughs> infinite commercials. Like that's just how it goes. But my main point here is I thought there'd be a lot of finishes. I predicted mostly early finishes in my topology, and that turned out to be pretty correct. But it doesn't change the fact that none of this mattered, and that's why the card isn't fun. Like, the main event I dogged the most, and that ended up being a lot more fun. And so if you want to come at me for that, I will say, sure, hand up. I called Tiago Santos incredibly boring, and to my credit, he tried to be really boring. Jamal Hill just didn't allow him to be boring because Tiago Santos turned into D1 Santos and it wasn't going to be all that fun. But Jamal Hill just is really fun. So, But I'll even take a half an L on that one because that fight definitely exceeded my expectations. We talked about the co-main being awesome. Everybody yeah. in the world agreed that the co-main was awesome and it was. But you... None of the rest of that mattered, and none of the rest of it. You're not going to remember a single thing that happened on that card a month and a half from now. Like, you're just not, even though c- congrats to the tough winners. Both of the, you know, I, I, both of the betting underdogs coming through, both of, especially when both of the betting underdogs are probably the better prospects. So you're getting good outcomes there, good finishes, good performances. I'm not saying the people who fought didn't have good performances, but like, what I'm saying is I don't care, and neither do you. The people who are coming at us are just trying to win some fantasy points about being a true fan. I have been watching this sport for damn near 20 years. Like, I just know I know that I don't give two toots about Sam Alvey's ninth loss in a row or Corey McKenna, Miranda Granger. Like, these just aren't fights that are substantively important and certainly not, you know, if you have one of those on a fight card— 
or two, that's fine. But when the fight card is mostly them, I'm just never going to pretend that that card's good. If you have yeah, nothing else to do on a Saturday, fine. But it don't. This is not appointment viewing, and it never was. Yeah, I got the casual call it a few times. I was like, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, how about our guy Jeff Neal? Hands of steel, getting it done. I took him by decision at plus five hundred. That one hurt to watch uh, Luke oh. go down. Oh, so close. Why? Yeah, so close. That was that was tough. I just had Jeff Neal straight. So I, I should have. I got greedy. You ask why? Vicente Luque had never been knocked out before. That that is why I took it. He had never been. That's very true. And there's justification. But he'd also been. He'd been getting hurt a lot more in his recent run of fights, and I, even you though Justin's not a huge finisher, I, I would have scared me. Yeah, uh, his hands are of steel, and you didn't you didn't take that into account. Duke can walk through fire, though, Luke. Like I, I thought he, I thought he was done in the first round. If I'm going to be honest with you. Oh yeah, I thought that at the second round, his comeback in the second round was sensational. Just in part, I thought some of it was due to Jeff Neal just being real dumb, but he. He, I thought he was turning the tide in the second round. Then the third round, he got clipped, and then that was the end of it, basically. But Tiago Santos, you mentioned him being a boring fighter. You know, he turned into D1 Santos and everything. Whether he's boring or not, I have made a habit of betting against him in some regard. He is a stressful fighter to watch. Against Magomed Ankalaev, like, he made it stressful. He hurt him uh, against Johnny Walker. He won the fight, and it was just a staring contest. I had didn't go the distance to finish a parlay there. And then Jamal Hill, he was up 2-1 to one on, on two of the judges' scorecards going into the fourth round there. Like It's just like in like the middle of the second round, I was like, wow. I forgot every single time I bet against Thiago Santos. While I might win most of them, it's still just such a stressful affair. Oh, you should have texted me. I would have told you not to worry at all because— Here's the last thing I really care to say or any big thought I have. Everybody came out and, you know, applauded Tiago Santos for a smart game plan. Game plan was horrifically bad. And oh, like wow. I'm I'm just sorry it is. Like in a three round fight, that game plan is good because three round fight he, he wins. In a three round fight he wins. You can soak up time a lot more effectively. But Tiago Santos is not a wrestler. And like I think this all the time about fighters. Like you just can't you can't change who you are. You got to dance with the girl who brought you. And the girl who brought Tiago Santos to the show and got him to a title fight is he hits really hard. He's got pretty good timing, especially on the counter. And he terrifies people because of those two things. And so he can get his shots off when he's looking to get them off. Turning into a wrestler, like, yes, I totally agree that it caught Jamal Hill off guard and he had some success with it. But the downside is exactly what happened. He gassed himself out because anyone who's wrestled can tell you it is much more difficult to wrestle offensively than defensively. is much more draining. And Santos isn't, he's not Islam Makachev. Scoring those takedowns did not put him into dominant winning position. He scored takedowns. Jamal Hill just stood up. He was just like, all right, cool. I'm going to push your head down. I'm going to stand back up. Do it again. Jamal Hill got tired. Tara Santos got way more tired. And so that's where, I mean, that's where the TKO essentially in the fourth round came from. Santos just sort of couldn't stand up anymore because he was exhausted. It was an awful game plan as far as I'm concerned. And as soon as he started doing it and then stuck with it, I I would have been like, dude, you're, you're fine. Because they're talking about Jamal Hill not looking like, looking a little winded. Tiago Santos was, it was tough. It was a tough hang. So yeah. I thought you were safe the whole time. 
Wow. I mean, that's tough to say. I, was, I had I had Hill finishing two parlays and fight doesn't go the di- the distance finishing a third. Uh, so yeah, just a lot of exposure on that fight, and uh, you know your it mind is, tends to wander. There's a lot of exposure uh, when you've got a lot going on in there. Anyway, that was UFC Apex 59. Hilver Santos, tough finale. He's a card that will go down in the history of UFC. Uh, ten for ten on the finishes. Let's move on to UFC San Diego. Love that this card is in San Diego. Chill vibes, beach. Probably going to watch Anchorman on Friday night to just, you know, mentally prep myself for uh, choice. for San Diego. Just just really get in my San Diego zone. I, I'm looking forward to that. Have you been to San Diego? No. Nah. Have you? Oh, I have. It is. I used to have a uh, really good friend who lived there, and uh, I've just been a few times. And it is, if I were to live on the West Coast, which I may at some point in my future— that would be, I think, San Diego is the spot. I love San Diego. Glad you say that because uh, of the you know massive amount of people that I know that have visited San Diego. I don't think I've ever heard one person talk bad about it. No, it's 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 actually physically impossible to not fall in love with San Diego when you're there. It's just like L.A. is dope. I love L.A. too, but like, L.A. is a lot. There's a lot going on with L.A. Ton of traffic, just ton of people. But there's a lot of cool stuff about it. San Diego is just like all of the best parts of living in California, essentially, unless you're like a skier. But who's a skier? Who likes snow? Not me. I'm from the south. Not a snow guy. Eh, snow. I don't I don't love it. I don't hate it. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, having moved up north, I'm kind of uh, indifferent on it. It can be pretty sometimes. It can also be a gigantic hassle to your life sometimes as well. It's just the worst. Uh, yeah, wish I was going to this card. That'd be fire weekend. Get some, uh, you know, San Diego living doing. I was I was trying to think of something you would get out there. A breakfast burrito, breakfast burrito, fish tacos. Both oh, are, are oh, awesome. Fish tacos, fire. I mean, I actually, someone told me that last week. I was eating fish tacos with uh, Mysterious Frank, and I was like, "Wow, these are amazing." He's like, "You know where they're really amazing? San Diego. We should go to the UFC they, San Diego card. They really are." I was like, nah, it's like, I, I don't have the financial, uh, you know, resources to do that right now. All right. Enough about San Diego. Enough about fish tacos and breakfast burritos. Let's get into it. The main event of the evening. It is a men's bantamweight bout. You have Marlon Vera going up against Dominique Cruz. Marlon Vera, minus 225. Dominic Cruz coming back at plus 190. Fight goes the distance, minus 190. Fight does not go plus 140. I am hyped for this fight, dude. Uh, Cheeto is obviously a fan favorite, uh, and I feel like that's why this line is continuing to get bigger and bigger. Uh, right now, Cruz plus 190 on DraftKings. Average odds, according to Best Fight Odds, plus 181. If he closes at that, that would be the biggest underdog he's ever been during his fights in the UFC. Against Cejudo, his average odds were plus 176. Uh, a couple of WEC fights, he was obviously over plus 200. That was really early on in his career. Uh, so, yeah, this could be uh, one of the biggest times he's been doubted by Vegas, which is uh, just crazy to think about. It is, especially because he uh, he thrives when Vegas doubts him. Four and two is an underdog. Love and that. one of those one uh, one of those losses was back in the WEC days. So just a lifetime ago. So four and one in a lot of respects is an underdog. That's a. Uh, I mean, seeing some dog tickets, 
I was like going back through, like looking at some of the lines and stuff. Like when he fought um, against Joseph Benavidez the first time, he was like a plus two thirty five. When he fought against Brian Bowles, he was like a plus two seventy five, uh, and won both of those convincingly. I uh, just wish I was around for those days, cashing tickets on the Dominator. Um, for me, I, I don't hate know that name. By the way, oh, the Dominator! Wow, it's the worst name. Dominant his- Dominant Cruz is right there. Like not enough fighters do the pre-name fight nickname. Oh, you're saying the- Dominant. Dominic Cruz. Like, that is it. Like, that's the name. The Dominator is a very stupid name that's playing off. Like, Dominant Dominic Cruz is so much better. I've been saying this for 10 years. It is so much better. My one rebuttal to that, it does kind of sound like you're just saying Dominic Dominic Cruz. No, Dominant Dominic Cruz. It's fine. You could you could that make time it off. It the Dominator like was... is also just a really <laughs> stupid name. <laughs> that time it sounded like you said Dominant Dominic Cruz. Yeah, Dominant Dominic Cruz is exactly what uh, I'm See, saying. that time you put the hard K in there. That time you said Dominant Dominic Cruz. Well, then then maybe that's what you got to do. Maybe you need the hard <laughs> K there. All I know is the Dominator we're gonna have is Bruce a really stupid nickname. If we're going to have Bruce do that, we're going to have to— He's gonna have to we hit talk the to hard him. K at the end. We we could talk hard to him. Hard T too. Hard T. Hard T. Hard T. Dominant, hard K. Dominic Cruz. And that's okay because the main point outside of Dominant being a much better name is the Dominator is just really stupid. Like it's just a really stupid. Nobody walks around and is like sup <laughs> the Dominator. How you doing? Like it's just a really really dumb name. Really uh, dumb name. Especially when it's Dominic Cruz. Yeah. Like. He's, like, a very, like, intellectual, like, cerebral, calm guy, like, 5'8", just sort of is who he is. And, like, I, I feel like the Dominator doesn't doesn't really fit his vibe. No, it's obviously just trying to play off his name, and it's really—I've I've hated his nickname. I think he actually has my <laughs> least favorite nom de guerre in the entire sport. Like, it's so wow. bad to me. Wow. 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 Uh, I can't think if I hate it that much, but I'm starting to like it less. Uh, you're kind of peer pressuring me into thinking it's it's dumb. I hope I'm peer pressuring all of our listeners because he either shouldn't have one because nobody refers to him as the Dominator, so he should just be Dominic Cruz, which is fine. A lot of people don't have Forrest Griffin. Like, that's totally fine, but super shouldn't be something dumb like the Dominator. Where he's going against Marlon Cheeto Vera that is like an actual nickname to the point people just call him Cheeto and, like, you know exactly who you're talking about. Exactly. I think I'm going to start calling him Marlon and Dominic Cruz the Dominator for the rest of the week. Mm, Yeah, we got Marlon versus the Dominator. Well, Cheeto's – all I'm saying is Cheeto is winning the nickname contest, the 10-8. It's a 10-7 round. Wow, a 10-7 10-7 on the nickname. Uh, Yeah, I mean, Cheeto's the man. Uh Tough, like tough to cheer against. He, he, I just, I just like Marlon Chito Vera. I like going back, watching some tape, thinking about the fight. I, th- I like think Chito Vera is probably going to win. Like I feel like when he feels the power of Dominic Cruz, he's just going to kind of do what he was doing against Rob Font, just be like eating two, three, four punches to trade for a clean shot. Um, now the takedowns do kind of worry me. Like going back and watching the Frankie Edgar fight, like. Frankie Edgar had a little bit of success there, and like I feel like Dominic Cruz might be able to repeat a little bit of that. It, when it when it comes to it, down to it, like 
this fight to me in my eyes is too close to lay minus 225 on on Marlon Chito Vera like it you know Dominic Cruz is going to come in with a good game plan I could I could just see it being just like a, a nasty decision that you just don't know who won when it goes to the scorecards so I agree the laying minus 225 is a that's a tough hang but let me let me try and convince you otherwise, because I have a side here. Uh, I, I haven't taken Vera, but I, I am taking Vera by decision. That number is at plus 130, plus 140. Mm, That's a little tastier. It's it's certainly a much more interesting line than the minus two, whatever. My thoughts here, got a few of them. One, if you couldn't tell by my disparagement of him and his fight nickname, never been a huge Dom guy. Never been a big Cruz fan. Um mainly because I don't understand him and you always hate the things you don't understand. That's just how life works. And <laughs> I I recognize that his style works, but like the Cody Garbrandt fight was the most vindicating thing. I was like, look, you just punch him in the face. He's really not like he's not doing, he's doing a lot of dumb things. You just don't fall for the dumb things and you punch him in the face. It's very not difficult <laughs> to do. Why aren't people doing this more often? And I've just sort of felt like that the whole time. Like his, he's lauded for his footwork and defense, and they're different and certainly tricky in some regard, but they're not fundamentally sound. And so that's why Cody Garbrandt tuned him up. Um, he just boxed him. He just boxed him really well. It was very efficient. So I've never been a huge Cruz guy. Uh, just just to jump yeah. in real quick, you said people love him for his his footwork and everything. So much so. There is a website, movelikecruise.com, and it's don't, where you can you Don't can move buy, like Dominic Cruz. You can buy a course for $30, and he'll teach you. You'll it, the, the tagline is, get footwork superpowers like Dominic Cruz. I wish it said like the Dominator. That would make it so much cooler. It would make me hate it so much. Featured more. on Forbes, the UFC, the New York Times, ESPN. I might have to get footwork like Dominic Cruz, 30 bucks. Don't, because there's a reason that nobody else has footwork like him. And trust me when I say <laughs> it's not because he's so much better. MMA, any combat sport, any sport, but certainly in MMA, you see all the time that when people have a new thing that's cool and works, everyone copies it. The low calf kick became like overnight. Everyone did it. No one's copying Cruz's footwork because it only works for him because of the very specific way his game lines up and because this is the thing he has worked his whole life to perfect. And I'm still not even sure it's good. It is at least effective for him in that regard. Nobody else should try and copy it. Just like learn how to box, learn learn, learn how to cut a cage, learn, learn regular things. Anyway, my point being, never been a huge Kuz guy. As you said, who doesn't love Cheeto Vera? Cheeto Vera is the man. Like you just, he's just the best. Tactically, the only thing I'll say is I think Cheeto Cheeto Vera has really good low calf kicks. Think that's a really effective weapon against a dude whose legs are weird like Dominic Cruz and slows momentum down. I agree. The wrestling may be a bit of a concern. Like not here to say that that's um, you know nothing to be concerned about. But would you you look at Dominic Cruz's you know takedown stats or whatever? Can I can I tempt you with this because? This is a man's old. What's he, like 37, 38? He's getting up there, yeah. He's had infinite knee surgeries, just an infinite number of them. 
And since coming back from, let's say, let, let's draw the line at the Cejudo fight just because he was off for like four years or whatever between Garber and Cejudo. Do you know how many takedowns he scored? Mm. I'll go with two. Three in three fights, zero against Henry Cejudo, two against Casey Kinney, one against Pedro Munoz. Do you know how many takedowns he's attempted during that time? Oh, I'm going to guess like 11. And I, I do want to say that Pedro Munoz was. I, I think it was because he got rocked, and that's the only reason he like had to go for it. How many has he uh, attempted? 22. Oh, wow. So wow, great three, stat. Three for, three for 22. Three for 22 because I don't know if you know this, but when you're old and your knees don't work, it's really hard to wrestle people. Cheeto Vera's younger, faster, I would say stronger. Maybe he may have some issues early with Cruz's kind of eccentricities, but I think the calf kick's going to play really effectively for him. I think it's going to slow some of that movement. Cheeto is is a really smart fighter. He is not going to go head hunting Dominic Cruz early. He'll he'll work the body. He'll work the legs. He'll let the things open it up. Maybe Cruz does score some takedowns. Cheeto's not a huge defensive wrestler, but I just think on the balance he's going to win this fight. I think I do think Cruz has historically been really tough. Uh, what Cejudo is the only guy who's put him out since like the first Faber fight. Yeah. Um, so that was also a submission. Uh, yeah. It was a good baby. It has been dropped uh, a few times. I mean, Garbrandt plunked him uh, a couple times. I mean, Munoz. I, I had the over in that Munoz I, fight. I it was uh, pretty scary. I like if listen. I do think Cheeto is probably going to win this fight. Uh, and you make a really good point with the takedown thing. I, I still don't have enough confidence. I kind of like the decision thing. Does it worry you at all that Cheeto just brutalizes him over like the five rounds and, and it doesn't make it to the distance? So that's, that's why this is not like a, I'm not super pumped on this bet. I just think that there is value on the decision line much more so than taking Vera straight because I do have some real concerns about banking on Cruz, who is 37 years old, coming up against a guy who really seems to be cresting like Cheeto really seems to be coming into form and so with 25 minutes there's a lot more opportunity for Cheeto to front kick him in the face or whatever like yeah. he did to Frankie like there's <laughs> it it won't be like it, it's a little sweaty and it's it's a line I wouldn't take it at, at negative money but plus 130 plus 140 is not I think there's enough value there for me to pull a tr- trigger on it so you you want to know there is a book out there that has DraftKings supposedly has this. I don't know if they have it in New York, but Cruz to not win inside the distance is minus 2,000. I feel like in a crazy world, I feel like there's still value on that. I would be so shocked if Dominic Cruz finished Cheeto Vera in this fight. When was the last time Dominic Cruz? Was it Mizugaki? Like it had to have been uh, Mizugaki because yep. he hasn't yep, fought that it was. much. And that was like, Nobody anticipated that as the best performance of his entire career, probably. Dude, like you're talking about this guy never gets finishes and like Cheeto never gets finished. Yeah, Cheeto can't be finished as far as I'm concerned. So like he just is too tough. He's got too much to fight for. He just like the guy is just an absolute beast. I would be so shocked if Dominic Cruz uh got a finish. So something that I did do first time ever, uh I don't know what all books have this available. I took it on Bet Online is more significant strikes 
landed by Dominic Cruz. Ooh, what's the line at? So it's a little bit juiced at minus 200, but dating back to his WEC days, Cruz has only been outstruck in two of his 17 fights, obviously a lot of them being wins. He's got 71% striking defense, top five bantamweight history. Meanwhile, Cheeto has a negative striking differential for his UFC career. In fact, five of his 13 UFC wins, he has been outstruck in. Ten of his 19 overall UFC fights, he's been outstruck in. So over half. Um, I mean, you look at that Rob Font fight, like he got doubled up in strikes and still clearly won the fight just by inflicting that much damage. I could absolutely see a world where Dominic Cruz outstrikes him by a thorough number and still loses a decision. I could see that world. I like the bet from a... It's fun and different. I yeah, never not, done one before. I would not take minus two hundred on that action. That is a that's a very juiced line. But good I luck think to it's you, juiced sir. for all the reasons that I just said. It, yeah. Um good luck to you, sir. I will not be tailing you on that one. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. We're we're in this fight together, but we don't have to uh we're in this war together, but we don't have we're, to fight every battle. We don't battle have to fight together. every battle. That's true. Do you have anything else on this fight? Uh, I used over one and a half juice to the moon as a little parlay piece just to get me up on something. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I had a I parlay did that at like with minus over two and a half. Nice, nice. Yeah, I had a parlay at like minus one sixty. Like, what happens if I had the over one and a half? It got me down to like minus one fifteen. I was like, eh, it's worth it. Yeah, I mean, over one and a half, absolutely for sure. I I just did over two and a half because over like three and a half is not uh, is. There's like a big gap there. Over two and a half was the nice, nice sweet spot in the middle. Minus three sixty, you know. Fine. Yeah, sh- I mean, shout out to Herb Dean, the, anyone who had the under three and a half in uh, the Jamal Santos fight. I feel for you. Lasted one second over uh, by Herb standing there. You know, some the, sometimes that's just how it goes. It's a tough scene. <laughs> it's a fact. It's a fact. Sometimes you just get those. Shout out to Joanna and. Uh, John back at uh, 275. Uh, yeah, just a little a little stat. Cheeto, Cruz combined, WEC and UFC fights, 30 of 36 have gone the over one and a half. Tough dudes. Dominic is not – I will I, – I don't know what I'll do if it's – like if it is not like a freak injury like we've seen lately, Dom just either just knocks him out or gets a submission in the first half of the fight, I, I would be so shocked. I don't know what I'd do. Um so yeah, I think that I think that goes over one and a half. I think it goes over two and a half too. I think it probably goes to a decision. I mean, I I, I couldn't agree more. So at least we, wow, we at got least deep. we agree on that. Yeah, we got deep on that main event. We're we're uh, we're already you know twenty five minutes into this into this episode. But, That's fun because uh, I don't really care about any of the other fights on this card. Yeah, let's get Liter- into it. Literally none of the other fights on this card <laughs> do I care about. Co-main event. Men's featherweight bout. We got David Onama going up against Nate Landwehr. Uh, Onama minus 275. Landwehr coming back at plus 230. And at some books, you can get Landwehr for like plus 275 at this point. Over-under set at one and a half. Uh, overs minus 145. Unders plus 115. I got nothing on this fight. Uh, but like, it feels like this Onama number just keeps growing and growing. We're only halfway through the week. I want to say he was at like minus 200, minus 210 earlier in the week. And now he's... He's up over minus 300 at some of these books. I feel like it's just going to keep growing. I feel like he's sort of a little bit of a fan favorite as of late. Um, I just I just don't feel enough confidence Stephen parlay him up at this point. He's going up against Nate Landwehr. Dog, big motor on him. Um, 
not going to play him, but I mean, he's 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 ascending close to plus three hundred at this point. Uh, I mean, obviously Onama could just starch him. We've seen Nate's chin be compromised, but I mean, it, there's a world where Nate makes this a a close fight. Yeah, I'm, I have nothing here for all the reasons you said. You know, uh, Onama should win. He's bigger, younger, faster, stronger. He's has every chance to come in here and just blow blow the doors off Landwehr, but Landwehr is a, an inverted fighter. He's two and zero as an underdog, zero and two as a favorite. So Vegas has no idea how to how to book him. Basically, absolutely no clue. Gives me a lot of pause here. So like, this is a situation I would say is dog or pass, but I think is mostly just pass. Yeah, I, I, I'm just gonna pass on it. Just enjoy it. Maybe Onama continues that. Uh that finish streak that he's got going right now, 100% finish rate for him. Um, next up on the main card, we've got a middleweight bout. Gerald Mearshart going up against Bruno Silva right now. Silva's sitting at minus 285. Mearshart coming back at plus 240. Over, under, set at one and a half, under, minus 130. Over at even money. Uh, I got two plays here, both parlay pieces. Uh, I feel like you could kind of guess what they are just from just from that. I think you are probably parlaying Gerald Mearshart at yep. the plus number he is because that's what smart bettors do. That is correct. You got it. Uh, it's it. actually Gerald Mearshart by sub parlayed. Uh, mm, that's that's better. That is with, a way better way to go. With the dominator by knockout. So I'm going to assume that one of these parlay legs, his fight does not go the distance. That is I'm correct. Not, I have no idea what that line is at, but I would wager it's over minus 220. Yep, over that. it is. It's minus 350 uh, if you just look at it. Jesus. Mearshart, 43 of 49. Fights have never gone, have not gone to decision. Silva, 25 of 29. Uh, I think it's kind of like uh, the Sakai Spivak fight last night. I think either Bruno Silva is going to knock him out or Gerald Mearshart is going to submit him. He does have five. Bruno Silva does have five submission losses on his record, but it was kind of those early uh, Brazilian regional scenes. He's a little bit more green. He's fighting a lot of guys, I'm sure, that are BJJ practitioners. Uh, he did get his black belt last year. I feel like he's improving in that aspect of his game. But GM3, subbing people is what he does, so I wouldn't be shocked if uh, that was the outcome. Also, funnily enough, not that this has really any bearing for our betting, but when I was looking into this, Yes. Gerald Mearshart, big submission guy. Also, most of his career losses have come by submission. He has lost eight <laughs> by eight by sub, four by decision, three by KO. Just I saw that. I saw that, which is uh which is in- interesting. It's, it's like super, a, you know, it's super weird. You hear it's the killer weird. be killed, he's the subber be subbed type yeah. guy. Ta- yeah. Uh, tapper tapper be tapped, baby. That's how yeah. it goes. Uh I don't hate the uh, fight doesn't go to the decision. I think that's a good line. But I just have one bet on this. It's Bruno Silva by KOTKO because everything you said, 19 of Silva's 22 career wins have come by KOTKO. <laughs> Dude just comes out bombing on people. Mearshart obviously hasn't been KO'd that often, but he is KO-able. Silva is, now, is a BJJ black belt. I think he... It's not absolute death if he goes to the floor. I think he'll be able to get up and just kind of bomb on him. The number is fairly high at minus 160, but I still think that that's overwhelmingly likely to be the outcome of this fight, so that's what I took. 
Yeah, I mean, dude, he's tough as nails, too, bro. We have seen him go through the fire. Uh, you know, I mean, the Alex Pajeda loss is, is aging quite nicely now. Um, you know, against future middleweight champion Alex Pajeda. Wow, to take. I think I'm. I think I'm going to commit to it. That's it's dang. early, but I, th- I think I'm going to commit to it. I love that. We'll go head to head because I will be on Izzy. Uh, allegiances don't die easily uh, around these parts, and I've been riding with Izzy for quite some time now. I mean, you got to do what you got to do, but Alex, Beha- if Izzy fights the way he's been fighting against Bahara, he is done because that, you're just giving that man way too many opportunities, and he's hit so hard. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Izzy has become familiar with how hard he hits uh, in the past. Um, Izzy, by submission, first one of his career. Uh, that would be absolute. <laughs> it, that would be the best outcome possible. I'm definitely taking it for the memes. There's no doubt I'm not. Like, we talk about my submission props losing every single time. I'm ready to lose another one at UFC 281, and it's Izzy by submission. Uh, Look, I'm I'm probably joining you. That'll be my hedge, you know. I'll be on Pera, but Izzy by sub at plus 3,000 or whatever. Be fine. If Izzy does lose, which I would hate to watch happen, and Pera becomes champ, I hope they just feed him like the most gnarly BJJ dudes for the next five years, and he just reigns supreme over everyone. And every single time, people are like, this is the one. He's getting subbed. He's getting subbed. Then he goes his, his whole career in the UFC without ever getting subbed. Like, people were talking about Sean Strickland. Like, a lot of chatter about Sean Strickland submitting Alex Pajeda. I mean, if Sean Strickland didn't literally have the worst game plan in the history of <laughs> professional organized fighting, he could have done it. I'm not saying he would have, but it, there was a I think a lot of people could happened. do it. I think a lot Look, of people I mean, could do it, but will they? Look. My what I hope they do is is Pajeda wins. It's just way funnier if Pajeda wins because so many he's like not unreasonably would be the champion, but also might be like the tenth best actual middleweight in the world, which would just be incredibly funny. And my personal dream would be that they just say, "All right, Bo Nickel, middleweight title shot against oh Alex." <laughs> he's got to get through his second contender the, series fight first, dude. Yeah, but the that that'll happen around the time the Izzy thing happens. So Bo Nickel wins the contender series, hops on the mic, and is just like, "Alex Pajeda, I want you." Now you know what I want. I I did say I think to you last night. I'm more curious to what a a Bo Nickel Alex Pajeda line would look like rather than a Bo Nickel is it's cer- Izzy. It's line. certainly closer for Nickel Pajeda. I, I mean, it has to be a three time national champion. Ed. D1 Penn State. Like, you, you talk about going D1. This guy is the pinnacle of D1. You 23 world champion. You uh, you want to know what I'd like to see? It's been quiet lately. No. Alex Bejeda. <laughs> Alex Bejeda wins for all of Brazil. He calls Colby Covington to come up to middleweight uh, and fight him for his belt, for his comments that he made when he was in Brazil. Then we get the wrestler versus the striker and see what happens. God, middleweight is such a stupid division. If this happens, it'll be so funny. <laughs> dude, I would actually, that would be so incredible. I mean, what is Colby up to, dude? He's, he's in legal battles. He's doing poker tournaments. Like, I think that's it. I think he's just in legal battles, and so he's not getting <laughs> into real battles uh, for the time being. 
Meanwhile, uh, Masvidal's doing interviews. He's trying to book his next fight. Should be fighting pretty soon. Uh, all right, that's that. I also have Bruno Silva parlayed up. I, I I think he gets it done here. I've, I've been a fan of this guy since uh, since he joined the UFC. You know, he did the tough back then. Uh, he's tough now still. No pun intended. All right, keep it rolling on the main card. Light heavyweight bout. It is Devin Clark going up against Azamat Mirzakhanov. Mirzakhanov at minus 155. Devin Clark at plus 135. Over under at two and a half. Under minus 130. Over at even money. Another fight that I have nothing on. Um... I, I just don't have a ton of interest playing uh, Azamat after his last fight. He he was struggling against Tefon before he got the knockout. Now he's getting a a veteran in Devin Clark. I uh, just I don't know. I'm I'm just gonna pass on it. That's where I'm at right now. I I want to play Devin Clark. I think Devin Clark should actually be the favorite. I think this line is a little off, mainly if, because yeah. Mirzakhanov is undefeated, and I think that's weighing weighing heavily on the public in the book's mind, but it's really tough at this price. Like, if Clark was plus 200, I'm on him for sure. If he's even up to plus 180, I think I'm on him. But at plus 130, it's just not a huge... There's no real value there. It's, like, at at best even, maybe a slight value, but not enough to warrant a play here, especially when I don't feel confident in the outcome. I just he has a lot of advantages here. Like he's dur- he's very durable dude. He is uh if not a better athlete, I think he's as good an athlete as Merzikanov because Merzikanov is sneaky athletic. But Clark will also you go to the wrestling. We've uh, Merzikanov can can grapple, but he has mostly been punching you. That's that's how he wants to go about business. Clark's big. He's got reach and length. Like there's, there are a lot of tools in his favor. But he, he's had a lot of opportunities to show up in big moments, and he has seemingly just never ever done that. So that's that's really the big blocker to me. He's one and four as an underdog. That one win was against Alonzo Minifield. Alonzo Minifield, not known as like the best dude in the world. <laughs> so it's just it's hard for me to take a play on Devin Clark. I do think this is dogger pass. If I don't think the line's going to move that much, and if it does, it probably moves towards Clark. If we're being honest, I think if so. The line, if the line did drop, you know, uh, I'd start really considering it at plus one fifty. I think I'm with you. I, I know a lot of people that got in when it was at that number. It's come down a little bit. Maybe as as we get closer to the weekend, people who might not be as much into the sport want to lay some money on it. They see eleven and zero. They they go yeah. heavy on Azamat. Eleven uh, and zero, and his his name ends in an Av, so you know he's good. I mean, with a name like Av, you've uh, you've got to be good. I think we're both on the same page, Dogger Pass, uh, but haven't pulled the trigger on that one. Let's keep it going. Main card. It is a women's flyweight bout. We've got Nina Nunez going up against Cynthia Calvillo. Calvillo at minus 170. Nunez at plus 145. Fight goes minus 210. Fight does not go to a decision plus 170. I hit you up about this last night, playing the over one and a half. Juice to the moon, minus 260. Um, I I mean, I think this one probably goes to a decision. Uh, I got that line on Bovada. I, I think they made a mistake with posting it because it was the exact same as over two and a half. It's still sitting there as of Wednesday morning recording this. Um, I don't know if they're just not going to take it down, but 
Yeah, over one and a half. I mean, three times in Calvillo's career, she's gone under one and a half. 80% of the time she goes over. Nunez, since joining the UFC, seven of eight times she's gone over one and a half. I'll take my chances here. I, you know, women's MMA, uh, I feel pretty good about it making halfway through the fight. So I, I agree with you, and I hate that I agree with you. Not because I don't like agreeing <laughs> with you, but for one very, very specific reason. I came into this fight card, came into this particular fight with one thought in my head. Flyweight unders never lose. That was actually my biggest concern. As soon as I placed it, I was like, "This happened. This happened at Bantam, which drop? Oh god! No, this is oh god! Yeah, they never lose. But that's for that's for men's flyweight bouts. I wanted to come in here and essentially just see see if it was true for women's. We know it's true for men's. The the math backs it up. The empirical evidence over the last few weeks has proven. Men flyweight unders, absolutely lock of the century. So I wanted to come in here and I wanted to take a bet on the under, which I think is about plus 200 right now. So, I mean, very juicy for a bet that never loses. But maybe it can lose because it's not a men's flyweight bout. So I I wanted to take that bet. And then I thought about it and I was like, I think that this might not be true for women's flyweight bouts because I think this fight is going to go over over the two and a half uh, I have the over two and a half, not over one and a half, because I'm not on whatever the book is that you said. I have over two and a half as the third leg to a parlay with the aforementioned Veracruz over two and a half. It's an over two and a half parlay, and we'll talk I love about it. the third I leg I love it. For, so, for some weird reason, I always like doing strictly fighting fighters parlays and then strictly prop parlays. It's just like something in my brain. Instead of just putting together like the three legs that I am most confident in on the weekend, uh, I get dumb and I'm like, eh, you know, got to be fighters, got to be prop. It's, uh, I don't know, something weird in my brain. Well, I'm, I don't normally have that issue, but it just so happens that the three about like the three outcomes I'm the most confident in are over two and a half this week. So. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Just sort of um, how it worked. Yeah, I do not have a side. I I I, I kind of hope no one no one has a side in this one. Uh, I'm assuming you don't either. I I don't. Uh, a part of me really wants to believe in Nina Nunez, just because less so believing in Nina Nunez than it is not believing in <laughs> Cynthia Calvillo which has historically, especially lately, I think she's on a three-fight skid right now, has been, it's paid off. It's It's been a good payoff. But, you know, I just, Nina Nunes is, is a little older. The fight camp change, not nearly as confident that going to the, the Nunes fight camp is going to be a better look for her. So just just not not getting involved, staying No away. reason to. No reason to. Uh Let's keep it rolling. Last fight on the main card. It is a strawweight bout. Yasmin Yaraguay? Sure. I, uh, I couldn't find any videos where it was like constantly saying her name to give me enough confidence. She's going up against Yasmin Lucinda. It's a Yasmin versus Yasmin battle. I mean, spelled differently, but it is important it is. that they are they are battling for naming rights. Love name right battles. No, love the name rights. Uh, Yaragui is uh, minus 210. Lucindo is plus 180. Fight goes minus 160. Fight does not go plus 130. Another fight, shockingly, this is a tough card to bet, uh, in my opinion, with all these lines. 
I do not have a bet on this one. If I was going to, I would probably go with the favorite. Uh, Yasmin Yaragwe. <laughs> I'm just eating through that. This is one of the toughest I've, I've struggled Struggling. with this. Yeah. Um, I mean, just watching a few of her fights, like, she looks pretty good. Um, she's a finisher at strawweight. She's only, but, like... She is only 23. She's making her UFC debut against another debutante who's only 20, who is coming down from flyweight, might be bigger, might use the grappling. Just like a lot of unknowns uh, for me to get involved on a minus 210. You're making a smart decision. I'm oh, let's not. go. I want to hear I, it. I am not because I decided as I was going through this fight card and I realized that I was going to have like three bets if I didn't start doing something start being a little dumb, decided to be a little dumb. And I looked at the naming right fight and I said, I want to bet. I want to be involved in a fight for the naming rights because what, what are we doing here? If, if not nothing, we're not doing our jobs. Exactly. We're here to have fun. So I went and looked, looked at some tape and I have a new theory. I have a theory about gambling that I am workshopping, been thinking about it for a while, but Here's where we're at. And it's it's going to be analogous to, to high school football. Because five-star recruits in high school football, they if you're coming out and you're a five-star recruit going into college, you essentially have a 50-50 shot of being like a long-term NFL player. It's a very high rate. Conversely, like a two-star high school recruit, overwhelmingly likely to not even make the league, much less to have a sustained career. There are outliers, you know, things happen, but mostly that's how it goes. Uruguay is probably a three-star level prospect right now. Like, she's young, she's scrappy, she's athletic, she's very aggressive, she's decent all around. She is, fights pretty smart, especially for only being 23 years old. Lucindo is is a two-star at best. She has lost, and granted, she was 15, so you got to take some of that with a grain of salt, but she lost some early fights to people who didn't have winning records. Eight of her 18 opponents had zero wins on their career when she fought them. Her combined opponent record is 30-22-2. Over half of those wins come from just two people she fought. Like, she has, she fought absolute trash on the regional circuit and didn't even beat it all the time that 18 is, fights and like her opponent's combined record is like 55 fights correct because a lot of them had zero fights wow. at the time that they fought like it is wow again half of those half of those wins half of the 30 career wins her opponents have had when she fought them were from two dip, like two fighters together she just she fought a bunch of not a bunch of garbage on the on the regional scene and didn't always beat the garbage. Five-star athletes, five-star recruits always beat the garbage. Two-star recruits don't beat the garbage and two-star recruits aren't going to make it in this in the big leagues. And so, for that reason, I'm backing Uruguay at minus 210. She is God, going to be the superior high. Yasmin. She's 23 and I think she's just straight up better. I, I hate that it. I'm laying minus 210 here, but You're selling me. I on want it. to. I'm That's not going to, but you made a yeah. great sales pitch for anyone out there. Look, the long and short is I want to bet on this fight, and this is the bet that's going to win. So that's what I did. I love it. I love it. I, I mean, you almost sold me. I'm still going to stay away, but I'm going to be cheering hard 
for her to be the superior Yasmin. I think she's going to be the superior Yasmin. Uh, I look be, forward to it. I, I'm going to be half a unit richer. <laughs> Whew. That's big what I'm talking money. about, baby. Brick by brick. <laughs> this is a slow process here. A half unit makes a big difference in the long run. Um, all right. That is the main card. Uh, six fight main card. Classic fight night stuff. Let's move on to the prelims. We have a lightweight bout. I actually have to see right now if you added a fight. I did not add know. any fights to our, our thing. You have all the fights that are that are there. Sick. It's a lightweight bout. Gabriel Benitez, Mowgli, going up against Charlie Ontiveros. Uh, it, it feels like Ontiveros, like uh, Char, Charlie Ontiveros is like a, uh, what, it, what would it be, an alter ego to Charles Oliveira? It's like his, his evil twin. Just, just Greek Charles Oliveira? Yeah. Yeah, it feels like it's like one anyway. I didn't think about that at all, but I like that a lot. Yeah, right now, Mowgli, minus 360. Ontiveros, plus 295. Over-under, set at 1.5. Under, minus 200. Over, plus 160. Uh, on top of that alter ego thing, it like really is like the alter ego. But instead of like going through the fire and like getting rocked and coming back to win fights, Ontiveros just gets rocked and, and loses 11-8. Uh, and eight. Eight losses by knockout. I uh, I parlayed up the fight does not go the distance at minus three seventy five with the aforementioned over one and a half in the main event and the Bruno Silva fight to not go the, to a decision. Uh, I mean, I just think this fight's going to be chaos. If you've ever watched an Altavero's fight, the one against Steve Garcia, he just comes out and just throws. I mean, this dude is killer be killed in his last eight fights, four and four, three wins by first round finish, three losses by first round finish, one by second round finish. Lost by second round finish. I mean, he does not last long. Like I said earlier, eight losses on the record. All eight are coming by knockout. Mowgli is not as big of a finisher, but, I mean, five of his last six have ended in finish, three losses, two wins, four of those happening in the first round. I mean, I just think it's just going to be able to load it up shots, swinging for the fences. Whoever goes down, goes down. I thought about playing Mowgli in a parlay, but... Ontiveros is just so much bigger than him. I think he's six inches of height and five inches of reach. Um, so, yeah, I, I stayed away from that. But, yeah, I just don't think this one is going to a decision. Yeah, I have nothing to say on this fight. I don't have any action. I think you have adequately broken it down. And I, I would assume that Mowgli gets this one done, but the size really keeps me from making him a parlay piece. Same, same. So that's that. Let's hope it's chaotic. Let's hope we get some violence. Next up. It's very likely to be fun. Very, very yeah, I think it's going to be, be fun, too. Ontiveros, he might not always win. He might not be great, but his fights are usually fun and chaotic, so I- I'm looking forward to that. You're uh, telling me an 11-8 and eight fighter might not be great? <laughs> I don't know if I can uh, believe that. I'm really blowing some minds here, but uh, I think so. 0-2 oh, in the Big UFC. Take. Big oh, take. 0-2 in the UFC as well. Uh, next up, prelims, the one we've all been waiting for. This one's near and dear to No Bets Part Nation. It is a men's flyweight bout. You know, you know what, what that means. means. Do you I know need what to that say means? Anymore. Ode Osborne, minus 245, going up against Tyson Nam, plus 205. The over under is currently set at minus 120 for the over. 
minus 110 for the under. I actually think there has been line movement overnight since I wrote those lines because the people know, because the people have become aware of this stat. It's now the favorite. Under two and a half is now minus 125 over minus 105. I scooped it up last night at plus 105 under two and a half. It is a men's flyweight fight. Um, You know what to do. You know what to do. Do we even need to break it down? I feel like the people know at this point. I feel like they've learned from us. You've said it on the show already. It's a guarantee. It's a guarantee. The most confident bet I have on the entire card. Under two and a half. Most confident bet I've had in a long time. Uh, In all seriousness, though, uh, this is actually a men's flyweight fight that I like the under in. I mean, Ode Osborne, eight of his last nine, have ended in the first round. Tyson Nam. Hasn't been finished since 2013, but uh, means he's due. Means he's due to get finished. But if he doesn't get finished, he's got 12 knockouts himself. Ode Osborne is is not, you know, he he, he has been knocked out in his career, uh, especially in the UFC. Thinking whoever gets it done gets it done inside the two and a half. I mean, that's that, that's just all it is. Like, Ode is coming in here. He's coming in here to take care of business. So... We'll say that Tyson Nam is is as well, but it's Ode. Ode's coming here to take care of business, and the man does not get paid by the minute. He knows that. He wants to get in, get out, get that paper, get that bonus. It's done. This is under two and a half. It's a guarantee. I think that would take us to 4-0 and on flyweight unders that we've given out on the show. Yeah, because they never lose. <laughs> they never, ever, ever, ever lose. I'm praying need, this one hits. I need I'm gonna this I'm going to start doing open going. parlays. I'm going to start just doing it one open parlay and just leave all the other legs for the next flyweight under I can bet to add to it <laughs> because it never loses. I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah. I, dead serious. This was the one bet that before we even did this, I knew where I was like, oh, cool. We were talking about this beforehand. Tough card to bet. Not a lot of lines I love here. Well, I got one bet. One bet locked in. Just holstered, ready to go. Under two and a half. Let's go, baby. The props were a little bit slower this week, and I was chomping at the bit to get this over-under line, and I hit you up. I was like, I don't know where it is. Like, it hasn't come out yet. You were like, yo. Plus 105, baby. Prop just dropped, dog. Check it. And I ran to the window to place it as fast as I possibly could. Uh, It opened at plus 135. It sat there for two minutes. Yeah. I mean, the people, the people knew what to do. Like, there was no doubt about it. The people slammed that line down to plus 105. Now it's minus 125. Get in while you still can, folks. I mean, no, by the time this it's never going to lose because they've never lost ever <laughs> once in the history of the world. All I'm saying is you guys got to this is for the listeners. Now that you know, if you have, if, if it's your first time, welcome, ha- glad to have you a part of the No Bets Bard family, No Bets Bard Nation, but now you know, because every future line, you're going to see the movement because the people have learned. So you got to get in early on the under two and a half, because you're going to start seeing minus 300s for flyweight unders, because everyone knows that they never, ever lose. I did see a stat. I want to say the guy's name is Crispy MMA. He, he like really keeps track of some really obscure stats. Uh, he gave me a great one a few weeks ago about P- 
people coming in on short notice at Pick'em or Dog Odds are like 2-23 in 2022. But he keeps track of the finish rate for every single weight class. And I want to say flyweights is at like 48%. Yeah. And like you have to think that a lot of those are plus money. This has to be a profitable endeavor in all actuality. It's it's absolutely. You're acting as if this is a meme. I this is a uh, <laughs> this an is a lifestyle to for you. live I know. by. It is an ethos to live by. I just it's going to crush me when it finally loses when when this when the well finally runs dry on a, us. A blind squirrel finds a nut every now and again, and eventually somebody will be too tough for their own good, and a referee will make a bad decision and not stop a fight on time and the overall hit. But that's one once in a blue moon because the rest of the time. It's unders all day, baby. I I also love uh, that we refuse to take the fight doesn't go to a decision line. It's never it, going it to do that. It has to be the under. It it's has under. to be the under. Because I have to, to be, be under able two to say flyweight under. Under two and a half and or half under four start, and a half? Well, or under, yeah, because under one and a half starts. Nah, nah, I'm not you, confident that that, be, that that cashes every you, time. You got to know that, that someone's going to come out swinging if that's going to happen. So, yeah. Ode. Do us good. Tyson, do us good. No bets barred nation is depending on you. The weight of the world is on your shoulders. Uh, flyweight unders, I can't wait. I, I, I love betting flyweight unders. It's, it's, it's becoming the most electric bet. It's I the mean, most electric bet in the sport. One of those little guys gets on the back. It's just like, here we go. <laughs> so uh, related because it – there is, an, there is an option for us to do this. Uh, actually, do you have anything on the Martin Boudet fight? I don't I don't remember. I'm not looking no. at the doc right now. No, so why then are we'll, you we'll bring it up. Like... I don't have anything up on the Boudet fight, but I have been toying with the idea. And by toying with, I mean it's it's been a fixation in my mind every night. When I go to bed, I start thinking about it. What if the same way that flyweight unders always hit? I know hit, where this is going. What if heavyweight overs always hit? And that's where they we need don't. to be. They don't but, always hit, though. But what if they do? <laughs> I want to say last saying, week, Spivak Sakai did not hit. And then the week before, Derek Lewis ended in like 45 seconds. Yeah, well, that that fight in particular <laughs> was always going to hit an under. But like Spivak Sakai might have been over one and a half. It, I don't think it would have been over two and a half given what it is. And over one and a half, Spivak Sakai, in fact, did hit. <laughs> I mean, I saying. actually don't. I don't hate the Bresky Boudet over sitting at over one and it's a half. It's one and a half. One fifty. You know what? For science, yes. we don't need to talk about the fight, but for science, just just to find out, I'm going to take that over. It's minus one sixty five on DK right now. One and a half. I'm going to take the over so we can start seeing. We can start seeing if heavyweight overs are the the less attractive but equally as viable cousin to flyweight unders. I love it. I love it. You're a man of science, a man of research. I'm and, a man of uh, science. The only way to find out is to put a hypothesis to yeah. test. And you that's what we'll the, do. you got to test the theory, and this is the new theory. Boudet, Bresky, it's going to get exciting. Um, all right. That's enough science talk. 
for for this episode. Let's keep it rolling. We've got just a few more fights to break down. Next up, we have a women's catchweight bout at a 120. It is Lupita Godinez going up against Angela Hill Godinez right now at minus 295. Hill at plus 245. Fight goes minus 265. Fight does not plus 205. I parlayed up Lupita with Bruno Silva. Um, I mean, Lupita Godinez just has to be one of the most game fighters in the UFC right now. Last year, she... Fought three times over a seven-week span, one time in back-to-back weeks. She goes two and one through that. And last time out, dude, she just mauled Carnalosi. Like, 30-26, I think you maybe could have made a case for like a 30-25. I don't know how you could have Carnalosi winning any of that fight. She landed nine strikes and got controlled for 13 and a half minutes. Like, I've seen a couple of people saying Angela Hill has decent takedown defense. While that's true, giant sample size, 76%, I believe, is what it's at. Just going back and watching the Virna Jandaroba fight last time out, she found success getting takedowns. She controlled half the fight. I think Lupi is just going to continuously chain wrestle going for these takedowns and just try and do the same thing she did to Carnalosi. So we're sort of at odds. I don't feel great about my bet because I think that a part of this is that my brain can't reckon with Angela Hill. Because Angela Hill, while her record is not very strong, she also got, like, jobbed out of four different wins over, like, legitimate top contender strawweights. Sure. And so even though she has since lost some fights that are like, oh, okay, well, you know, Angela Hill was doing very well at one point in time, but that's just not who she's ever going to be realistically, the Jandu Roba fight is one of them, right? Like, she very clearly lost the Jandu Roba fight. But... She should have beat Amanda Limos right before that. And Amanda Limos is a legitimate top 10 strawweight. Like, yeah. they should have beat Amanda Limos. She did lose to Tisha Torres, but she should have beat Michelle Waterston. And she should have beat Claudia Gadea when, when Claudia Gadea was still, like, a, a going concern at the weight class. Like, she is one of those fighters who her, her resume does not show the reality of her fights. She is a huge dog here. And... For me, I didn't take Angela Hill dog money. I took her by decision at plus 350 just because I don't know if you know this about Angela Hill. <laughs> when she wins, it it, it's by it, it is by decision. <laughs> so I think she's got two stoppages in her UFC career or whatever, and those were several years ago and against. I have a hard time seeing that happening here. Like yeah. Lupita is just a, a dog, bro. She's, yeah. you know. Exactly. Lupita's a dog and, you know, uh, Hannah Cyphers is is we're, that's the level of competition we're talking about as far as yeah. Angela Hill getting stoppages. For me, I, I it's mostly a value play at plus three fifty. I think there's some value there. I think Hill straight is probably value because I do think Godinez. All the stuff you said I think is true. Like I think Godinez can have success wrestling and putting a pace, but Angela Hill is pretty decent at takedown defense holistically. Uh, I think Godinez is less likely to find the same success on the ground that Rena Genjiroba did. Not that Godinez is bad, but Genjiroba is a, I think, a world champion BJJ practitioner. Like, yeah, like very, very elite grappler in that regard. I have some concerns that Hill's thirty-seven, but you know, I don't know. I also looked at the, uh, and I know that this was in a different weight class, but Lupi Godinez, uh, Lupi Godinez. Jeez, I can't talk either. Uh, Luana Carolina had some struggles there. Luana Carolina is not nearly as good at fighting as Angela Hill, though she is bigger. So, you know, there's that. I don't know. I just feel like there's some value on Hill as an underdog here. 
her implied odds for straight is like 28%. I think she's got more more of a chance than that to win. So I just took her by decision at plus 350. Love it. Love the dog shot. I, I will be going against you, but I'm, I'm down with the dog shot. And I also, this is the bet that I feel a lot better about. I took the over. We said the over two and a half parlay. This is the third leg of Love the it. over two and a half parlay. It's minus 400. Four of Loopy's five UFC fights. Over two and a half is hit. 15 of 19 of Hill's fights. Over two and a half is hit. Seven in a row for Hill. The over two and a half is hit. So yeah, I feel okay Probably. about that one. I mean, even even if your Hill bet loses, I would imagine it's because Lupita is controlling and racking up yeah. points through the. I just don't. I don't think either woman's getting a finish, especially not one early. So yeah, yeah, over uh, two I'd and be a pretty half. Surprised as well. That closes out my over two and a half parlay, and that, my good sir, is the last bet I have on this card. All right, I got two quick ones that I'll run through through with. They're actually my smallest bets on the card. Nothing crazy. A couple uh, even money plays. Uh, Next up is a men's bantamweight bout. It is Yusuf Zalal going up against Damon Blackshear. Zalal minus 125, Blackshear plus 105. Fight goes minus 175. Fight does not, plus 130. So I took Zalal money line at the beginning of the week, minus 110. I honestly thought this number was going to drop more than it has. He's sitting right now, like I said, at minus 125. Um, yeah, I mean, just like I, I know that Zalal is technically on short notice too, but Blackshear just getting the the call eight days prior. Uh, he's obviously making his UFC debut. I think the competition level for Zalal, the the experience that he's been given, is just much greater than than Blackshear's. It seems like every time Blackshear makes that step up in competition, uh, he does catch an L. I mean, every time that he's so when he fights people that have either went on to fight in the UFC or the Contender Series, he's one in three. Uh, his one win is against Daylon Cruz, and one of those losses is to Chris Moutinho. Uh, which is just not a, a great look. Um, I also like that Zalal is moving down to Bantamweight. I think if the cut is good, uh, I think that'll be beneficial for him, especially in the wrestling here. Um, I know that he isn't great. This is definitely a losable fight for him. That's why I'm not going heavy on it, but thought I'd get some better line moving out of it. Um, I think he's the better striker. He's going to have the reach advantage. I think he's going to be able to hold his own in the ground game against Blackshear. I know he's a dog and just keeps moving forward and, and puts the pressure on, but... Uh, I didn't think it was a complete 50-50 at minus 110, minus 110, so I went with the guy with the UFC experience. We'll see if it plays out for me, Captain. I have a great amount of hope for you and nothing to contribute to this fight. So good I luck, love good that. sir. Last one. It's a men's welterweight bout. Jason Witt, Josh Quinlan, supposed to be on the card last week. A uh, little pop on Quinlan, moved it to this week. Quinlan minus 245, Witt plus 205, over under set at 2.5, under minus 150, over plus 110. Um, yeah, I mean, Quinlan has had some issues with the uh, with the Roids. The Dana White contender series gets moved to a no contest. Now this fight getting moved a week later for, for traces in his system. Um how does Quinlan win? Almost always by knockout. Nine of his 12 wins across pro and amateur career are by knockout. Uh, five of those in the first minute. He's got the power. How does Jason Witt lose? Of late, it is by knockout. Last five losses are coming by knockout. Two of those in the first minute. I took Quinlan by knockout at minus 110. I think that is the clear path to victory for him. He is not going to want to wrestle or go to the ground with wit. He is going to want to stand and bang. 
and I do think that he finds the chin of Wint at some point and puts him out. So two smallest plays on the card, both just a one-and-a-half unit apiece, but Quinlan by knockout, minus 110, and Yusef Zalal, money line at minus 110. Beautiful. And that, that wraps that wraps the UFC. Now, I have oh. a bet in Bellator. I have a bet in Let's PFL. We don't have to spend too much time, but I know that you've got some PFL action too. So feel like we should maybe just maybe let's bring it up, you know. Of course, Broad, I mean we got to give the people horizons. Expand the horizons. Give the people every play. I want y'all to know what I am riding on, so you can either fade me, tail me, or just uh, kind of make a note of what I'm on. My PFL parlay is Dennis Golstov and Magomed Umalatov getting it done in the PFL playoffs. I like betting on the playoffs. Just feels like it means more. It feels like, you know, they're really coming in and they're like super serious. That could just be my brain. No, I, uh, I, I mean, a million dollars is on the line at this point. So, yeah. Plus, anytime you can bet against Rory McDonald at this point in time, feels like a good choice that you can be making. So, <laughs> love. Love those. I'm going to be honest with you. There's a real chance I take some more action on PFL uh, as the fight gets closer just because I want to. It's fun. It's dynamic. It's exciting. I'm going to be covering the fight card, so maybe I can then care about some of these fights. But I took uh, took Sadabusai. He, I got him at plus uh, 100, I think, maybe plus 105. Um, nice. I'm not, I'm not looking at the slip. That line's already moved down to him being minus 105. Let's go. Basically, I think Sai is a really good kickboxer. He is able to keep the fight where he wants to. And in that Roy McDonald fight, which I was sitting cage side for, he really impressed me. And so I think that he has had some struggles in his career, but it feels like he is now kind of ascending. He He's going to be the fighter we want, we, we thought he could be. So I, I took him at plus money for, for the funsies of it. And I have a Bellator play. This play is probably stupid. Uh, I can it. actually assure you it's stupid. Because I'm betting on Bellator? Yes. I have, I've grown to hate on bel- betting on both Bellator and PFL. I, I track all my stuff, and it has been a money drain for me. Well, but that's I because were... I stink at betting, and you are great at it. So give me the winners in Bellator. I only have one at the moment, though I may end up throw in a little Bellator parlay down the line or something like that. Because the lines are actually competitively priced in Bellator right now. So if betting on Bellator is bad, betting on Bellator heavyweights is probably the stupidest thing you can do. (laughs) But I'm taking Steve Mowry at plus 185. I like this. I like this. He's going up against Valentin Moldovsky. Obviously, Moldovsky is uh, a really good heavyweight, particularly by (laughs) Bellator standards. Um, you know, just just fought for the interim title or whatever um, against Ryan Bader, or maybe that was the real title. I don't remember exactly how the Bellator title, heavyweight title situation is. No, he was the interim champion. Bader is the real one. It was a thing. That's what it is. So he's a former, former real champion, but his resume, not, not lighting the world on fire. A lot of UD wins. Sure, he's fought better competition than Steve Mowry is, but he's he's grinding it out. Steve Mowry is enormous. The dude is six eight and and just a large person and finisher. Dude is a finisher, finisher dude. 
get, submission, knockout, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He's he will hit you on the feet. He will take you down. He'll tap you out. He'll punch you in the face. Dude has done. He has shown all of the aspects you want to see from a prospect. I know calling a thirty year old a prospect is questionable, but in heavyweight, that's a prospect. Perfect nine and zero, ten and zero in his ten career. and zero, yeah. And plus one eighty five, he's going to be so much bigger than Moldovsky. I was going to say, dude, he is also gigantic, six eight, seventy nine inch reach. Yeah, he's huge. Moldovsky is one of those heavyweights who like he's not small for heavyweight, but could probably make two hundred five if he really wanted to rededicate himself to do it or whatever. You know, he's a smaller guy. He's not going to get Maori out of there early because that's just not what he does. Whereas I think Maori has the chance and he's going to have a chance for five rounds or, or for the full three rounds to get those finishes, create opportunities. And plus 185, I'm taking a shot on on a guy who maybe is a good prospect for heavyweight. To put it in perspective, 6'1 versus 6'8, that's like Allen Iverson versus LeBron James. And it's going to look a lot like that in the cage, if we're being honest, because Maori's just a big old, big old boy. I hate that you're like kind of talking me into this. I'm looking I'm at a not, picture of I'm looking at a picture of LeBron and Allen Iverson side by side right now and imagining <laughs> them fighting. Except LeBron can uh, knock you out and also submit you whenever he wants to, and he's a ten and zero prospect. Uh, wow. I'm not here to tell you that what I'm doing is good. Um, can this convince you? Because one of my favorite dumb things that also legitimately gave me a a reason is. Uh, do you do you happen to know what Stephen Mowry's uh, Instagram handle is? No. Tall Steve fights people. I mean, <laughs> it's a pretty good description of what he does. It's just an absolutely it's ridiculous a, Instagram. Looking handle at it on paper really now, happy. too, that is a really long Instagram handle. It's a huge Instagram handle. It's and it's just funny as hell to me. He's ten and zero. He's a big old boy. Valentin Moldovsky is like a fine fighter, but he's not a tremendous fighter. I his feel like this is, line should probably be closer, if nothing else. His bio is coffee, movies, and fighting people. Sounds like my kind of guy. That's what he does. He's like the man, and he's not bad at fighting people. He's mostly finishing them. So give me give me Tall Steve fighting Valentin Moldovsky at plus 185. I'll take that. This is another one I haven't fully committed to yet, but uh, this could end up being a wolf pack. I might ride with you on it. Yeah, let's go. Let's have a Bellator heavyweight wolf pack for Friday night. <laughs> uh, that means I have to tune into the Bellator card now. Look, also, if uh, Gilbert Burns, black belt. He is a Gilbert Burns black belt. Wow. Gilbert, Gilbert Burns, Burns knows grappling. Yes. Gilbert Burns knows grappling and gave this man his black belt. Gil- World champion Gilbert Burns. Let's. Just I love add. this guy. Every every step he takes, I'm starting to like him more and more. Oh, he trains at Killcliffe, formerly. He is, Kil- uh, he is a Killcliffe guy. I love it. Um, Sanford. That, that was a yeah yeah was a San- yeah Sanford. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, that's Killcliffe guy. So he's uh look. I just think there's very much a world where we've got all these fun new people emerging at heavyweight. Let's add Steve Mowry to the mix. This is a little bit of wish casting. I'm hoping that he comes in and taps him because then there might be at least one fun heavyweight in Bellator. 
So I'm doing it. Plus 185, I did it. All right. Nope, not ready to commit you just yet. I need another minute. You got me so excited. I was so close to to putting it in. I was Uh, so excited. Plus one eighty five is the best number you can get right now. It's on DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, yeah, give give me a give me half the day to think about it. I I might end up throwing a half unit on Steve just just for the hell of it. Give me something on Friday night. Tall Steve fighting people. All right, that's everything we've got. That is UFC San Diego. And Bellator and PFL, my bets. Our uses the law money line minus one ten. Josh Quinlan by knockout minus one ten. Nam Osborne under two and a half plus one oh five. Cavillo Nunez over one and a half minus two sixty. Cruz most significant strikes minus two hundred. Bruno Silva, Lupita Gomez parlayed minus one twenty five. Mearshard Silva doesn't go the distance. Benitez Antaveras doesn't go the distance. And Vera Cruz over one and a half. That pays at minus one eighteen. Denis Goltsov and Magomed Umalatov. I mean, Magomed and and off there. That's that's tough to deal with. Minus 135. And uh, maybe Tall Steve added to the mix. I love it. I have Marlon Vera by decision, plus 130. Yasmin Yaraguay, minus 210. Bruno Silva by KO, minus 160. Angela Hill by decision, plus 350. I mean, what you have to have. The the un the unlosable Ode Osborne Tyson Nam under two and a half at plus one oh five. There's three leg parlay, the over two and a half parlay, Veracruz, Hill Godinez, uh, Calvillo Nunes, all over two and a half, plays out at plus one forty one. Uh added in just for science's sake, for the sake of discovery. And we appreciate uh, over, you for this. I'm sacrificing myself for all of you. I hope you all recognize that. Over one and a half uh in the Boudet. I can't pronounce that dude's name. Uh, minus 165. Then a PFL bet plus 100 on Sadabusai. And, of course, as we just talked about, Bellator heavyweight Steve Mowry plus 185. Let's go, tall Steve. Let's go, tall Steve. I think I'm going to have a hard time not getting involved. All right, that is that. Yes. UFC San Diego. Not much else to say. UFC 278 next week. We will have a guest. That's a big one. With us, guest on board, Kamaru Usman trying to defend his belt against Leon Edwards. We can get into that next week, though. This week, it's UFC San Diego. You stay classy, San Diego. Love you guys. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.